Six Podcast. Happy Friday. Heading into your weekend. I am Will Brinson. This is CBS Sports' daily NFL podcast. We are posting this a little bit later on Friday. It's two days in a row. We're up late. That's okay. Uh, and we're doing that because we're going to talk to Jason Lockenfora about some Trent Williams stuff. Carson Wentz news broke late on Thursday, so this is actually kind of convenient. And then coming up after that, inconveniently, we'll have an interview with Zach Ertz, who is Carson Wentz's teammate, who praises Carson Wentz for like two minutes, um, but Carson Wentz hadn't signed his contract or the deal hadn't been announced, so I couldn't ask him about it. So, uh, yay for me, but he did point out that he thinks Carson will have a special, quote, special season, and that uh, he has a chip on his shoulder, which will be interesting to watch as the offseason unfolds. Uh, but first up, we're going to talk to my man, JLC. What's up, dude? How are you doing, bro? I'm doing good. Um, so you mentioned that you were at a concert last night. What? Uh, tell the people what uh, what sort of uh, tunes you were taking in. I was. Uh, it was a, a funky night in Philadelphia. I was actually in Philadelphia, like, <laughs> as the Carson Wentz stuff was going on. So <laughs> um, I did not see Carson Wentz at the uh, George Clinton Parliament slash Funkadelic slash Fishbone slash Galactic slash Dumpster Funk concert. Dumpster? But he could have been there. Maybe he was there. That, I, is, he could, that, that wouldn't have been that wouldn't have been a bad place to celebrate. It, it I'm does. Not sure how Carson rolls when it comes to the tunes. Um, but yeah, I apologize for my voice. It was uh, it was a late night. I, I I tell you what. I hope when I'm 77 years old, uh, I start my concerts. Not that I would be doing concerts or that anybody would want to see me do anything but it'd be cool if i could take the stage at like 1 a.m yeah that's what that's what george clinton did yeah so it was a it was a long night and uh we left close to three and he was still going but i was like and my friend i was with had to get to to work the next day and we still had like a 90 minute drive back to baltimore um but yeah, it was awesome, man. It was awesome. But I apologize for the quality of my voice. You, you sound great. You sound uh, you sound husky. Um, do yeah, you, do I sound like Pharrell on the bench. <laughs> yeah, you do. yeah, you got a little Scott Pharrell to you. Um, friend of the program, Scott Pharrell. Uh, I, I'm going to tell. I brought that up mainly so I could tell my George Clinton story. Uh, back cool. back when I was in high school at my 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 whatever Pete would call my swanky prep school, uh, mm-hmm. Macaulay. Uh, I was on the campus entertainment committee, the CEC, and we were just, we were in charge of getting bands to uh, come play on campus. And they got that's pretty cool. Yeah, they got they have like a long history of uh, of like pretty I mean pretty big bands like Widespread Panic played there. Um, Interesting. Yeah, uh, Jupiter Coyote played there once, like right before they were monster in their little you know, PK day. Better than Ezra played there, and ah. yeah, I know, right? I got a sign better than Ezra drumstick somewhere around here. Really? Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't advertise that. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> but but, no, it was like, but this Kinda. is like this is like the late '90s. So better than Ezra was pretty. Yeah, cool. yeah. Oh, it's good living with you. Sure. Yeah, exactly. And um, and then my senior year, we got George Clinton to come and play our little high school full of. Uh, like uh, with Bucci Collins and the whole mothership, the whole nine yards, the whole thing, man. And um, at your high school, at my high school, yeah. And so we were. As part of the campus entertainment committee, uh, somebody, you know, certain people were in charge of certain things. And, um, and like somebody had to pick George Clinton up from the airport, which is a pretty, you know, they, it's a pretty big job because you can't screw that one up. And I was, well, in ostensibly that was an upperclassman who at least could drive. Uh, of course, oh, of although course. it would have been pretty wild just sending a freshman who didn't know how to learn from it and being like, hey, George, let's go, man. Exactly. Yeah. I got whatever, whatever in the trunk and whatever, whatever in the dash and let's do this. Well, see, that's the thing is, so George Clinton was like, I was in charge of going to the store and getting the the supplies that George Clinton requested, and he requested um, one. Uh, it was one like two gal two liter Mountain Dew, one uh, box Check. of one box of Nabs crackers, and one Check. and one box of baking soda. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> and I, I mean, I could only surmise at the time, and I can still only really surmise now. So I guess he knew that there was not going to be like. There wasn't going to be alcohol. There wasn't going to be like because it's a high school. Correct. That like the locker room or wherever he would be changing. Like he would be basically correct. Getting dressed and pre gaming at a school. That is no. He knew that a hundred percent. And as he's as he's pre gaming, we're all hanging in like. Ted Turner went to our high school and donated a bunch of money. So it was a pretty big athletic facility, and there's like a locker room. Uh, the concert was going to take place on the basketball court. And there's like a long, 
I don't know, probably like 200 yard hallway that you walk down, uh, maybe a hundred yards, whatever it is. And then there was the room where they were set up for their green room. And we're sitting there for the warm up and all of a sudden the odoriferous or odoriferous. Oh, sure. Uh, smell of the, the, the weed comes floating through this high school. He and, and the P-Funk stunk up the entire high school. Teachers were in a rage. We're like panicked. They like thinking we're going to get in trouble. Uh, but eventually all, all went on as well. And, um, and, and the P-Funk show went down and it was pretty epic. Did, did he take the stage at 1 a.m.? Uh, no, I mean, he took, I'm guessing not. Yeah, I think he was, I think it was probably done by midnight. I think we had some, some regulations That's still built pretty, in there. pretty good for high school. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, good they, for you, man. Yeah, so that was my, uh, oh, and I forgot. He, um, we were all, we all got to stand in line and, uh, he came through and shook all our hands and, and I was like, hello, Mr. Clinton. He's like, what's up, dog? And I was like, oh. wow. <laughs> yeah, so it was a pretty, That's uh, pretty awesome. Yeah, pretty cool moment for us. That's my, um, that's my P-Funk story. Elsewhere. It's pretty good one. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, elsewhere in Philadelphia. Carson, yeah. Carson Wentz signed a deal. And, um, I, I think, I think we kind of did the thing we do whenever a quarterback signs a deal, which is some people get mad and say that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's too much for him. He got six years, 154.7 million, I believe. And th- this is what people do, right? And like, but the base value of the extension is 128 million. You might know more about the contractual yeah, details. Yeah. I mean, this one's structure. I haven't seen the whole thing. People who have, who do this for a living are like, this is complicated and pretty down in the weeds. There's this thing called the 30% rule where from a one year to a next, the compensation is supposed to jump by more than 30%. And when you have to get to where he wants to get to and you're coming from where he's coming from, that can get a little tricky. Mm. Um, so, I mean, the way it was presented to me was a four-year extension, $107.9 million in total guarantees, which include injuries and, and, and et cetera, um, but $66 million fully guaranteed. So it's about $108 million guaranteed for injury, $66 million guaranteed for injury cap and performance. Um, Thirty, Basically a new money average of $32 million. So uh, I, I wish I had, you know, I wish I could tear apart every little fine print, but I, I think the, the gist of it is it puts them where they were going to have to put them. And I think when you're Howie Roseman and you're looking at, you know, the future – and, and, you know, iterations of your roster three, four, five years from now, the first question is, well, who who, who has to be there? And this guy, above all else, um, was paramount that he's there. And then it's, you know, well, at, at what cost? And there have been and obviously were and are perfectly willing to do that at today's top-end um, quarterback market because they think this player – it's just scratching the surface and it's still ascending, and I believe they're correct. And if you can get him and you know, at top-end 2019 money, and they think he's going to be that much better in 2020, you know, 2021 and 2022 and 2023, then $32 million, uh, I would say even 18 to 24 months from now, is going to look like an absolute steal. You know, it, 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 it just is. Mahomes is going to take this thing over 40, and then somebody else will jump that bar next by the time they get back around the Carson Wentz. So, you know, the fact that the Russell Wilson thing got done, um, you know, I think that really set the stage for, for this. You know, he was going to come in around the same money. And if people think that's crazy, they're obviously entitled to their opinions, but I'm not surprised in the least that this is how the Eagles – evaluated that player and his importance to what they want to sustain there. Um, and actually, in a weird way, like, it helped them. Like, had Carson Wentz been the Super Bowl MVP and not Nick Foles, I mean, this is probably, I don't know. It's probably million. more than Aaron. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's probably more than Aaron Rodgers. probably 37, 38 already. You know what I mean? Yeah. And going upwards. It, it probably is. In a weird way, they kind of get the – eat their cake, have their cake and eat it too, because people, some people who aren't in the industry might think I'm crazy for saying this, but like they, there is a little discount in here. For, for who he was and what he showed the season where if he doesn't get hurt and against the Rams, you know, he's probably the MVP, and they're going to win the Super Bowl anyway. Um, if that's your year too, then this is more. It just is. So yeah. I, I, I get it all the way around. I was out there 
for his, I didn't know it was going to be the first day he didn't wear a brace, but I was out there for the start of their OTAs, and he, um, he, he looked like he was reborn, man. And he's not, he has no apparatuses on him. He's completely free. You know, he's back from the, recovered from the back thing. He's obviously now, you know, way more than a full year removed from the ACL surgery, but basically by the time they start the season, more like a year and a half, maybe even a little more, He's primed and ready to go. They have one of the deepest rosters in the league. They have a really unique um, collection of talent around him that he'll be able to tap into. And he's not even entering his prime yet. So this is, trust me, there there were were no regrets. This was not a contentious negotiation. You know, this was not Howie Roseman gnashing teeth um, or, or the owners, you know, staying up at night wondering, should we do this, should we do this? I, I think this was pretty cut and dry. Yeah, and I would point out, too, that – uh, Carson Wentz's agents, the Tolner brothers, yes. also represent Jared Goff. So they understand how this market is going to work. They're not going to take less. Like both, both Jared Goff and Carson Wentz are going to get a contract in this similar vein. And whoever got the contract first, the next person was going to get more. Like they're not going to take less. Interesting. I'm boy. I'm not so sure about that. Okay, but I mean, like Jared Goff is going to get something in the realm. I, I don't think he's. I don't think he's in the mid thirty. You know, low thirties. I, I don't. Oh, really? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's just the price of doing business. But I, I'm. I'm not so sure. All right. Let me. Put I, it, let me. I'm, let me put I'm this not. I, he's never had to like that offense has run through Todd Gurley to the point where they pretty much killed him by the middle of last season, right? I, I mean, that's. And then Gurley wasn't there, and and um, Cooper Cup got hurt, and and uh, I mean that was a fairly pedestrian outfit um, that kind of limped down the stretch. Uh, I, we'll, we'll see, but I do think the Toners are interesting because they've they've got a spectrum of guys here. They've got Blake Bortles. You know they had they went went through with Blake Bortles last year. They're yeah. in it with Mariota right now, to where they probably don't have many options. Wentz was going to be the next guy up before Mahomes, and then you're right. The Goff thing is going to probably take. I, I don't. I don't know that the Rams are running out there to give Jared Goff the Carson Wentz deal before the season starts. I, I personally wouldn't be. But no, no, no. Um, I'm not. I'm not saying that. But I was. I was going to point out that this is just the, the Toner brothers have a history of extracting nice contracts for their clients, mm-hmm. and so like Jer- Carson Wentz, who as you. Oh point, yeah, and Big Ben. They had Big Ben, so yep. they've had a lot going on. Yep. Um, Carson Wentz. In that 2017 season, when he went down with injury, when he tore his ACL against the Rams, the Eagles were 11 and two. He was at, he was completing 60 percent of his passes. He was on pace for 4,000 passing yards and 40 touchdowns. Now that's not Mahomes five you know 5,050, but it's it's good enough, and it was going to make him you know one of the highest paid quarterbacks in in all of football when he eventually got a new deal. And so I think you're right, like. For the Eagles, I mean, they let Nick Foles walk. They they drafted Carson Wentz number two. They they made their decision. They they decided a long time ago they were going to pay Carson Wentz. And the only question is, how much are we going to pay Carson Wentz? And I think it became obvious that they were willing to pay him a top end deal. That once four or five more quarterbacks sign a contract in the next you know two years is going to look like a pretty good bargain. And Wentz in the I mean. I don't think he's going to be banging down the door to renegotiate a new contract in the next no. two years because they because they looked out for him by paying him despite the injuries, despite two years. Yeah, but and, and here's the thing about last year, and it was kind of helter skelter. He he wasn't right at the start, and no one would be under those circumstances. And then he got hurt again at the end. But there was a stretch there where he was pretty darn good, and and I believe you know, and this is not the greatest indicator in the world. It has its faults and how it's computed, but he had a better quarterback rating last year than the quote unquote, you know, quasi MVP season the year before. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's hardly like, you know, I, I get the sense in some quarters out there. It's almost like last year was this like lost year for him. You know what I mean? Cause it's like, Oh, he got hurt again. But I mean, yeah, he got hurt like late in December and it was kind of fluky. And he also, you know, was pretty darn good there again for a kid who's basic, you know, who's, who was a, a year three, you know, a year three kid coming off a major season ending surgery. Yeah. I mean, he was, I think the, the, the problem that people have is he, they were five and six 
and they, you know, they had gotten blown out by the, the Saints and it looked like they weren't going to make the playoffs and there was some regression and they got swept by the Cowboys while he was back. But I mean, it wasn't his fault. He's putting up good numbers I and mean, he's completing almost 70% of his passes, 3,000 passing yards in uh, 11 games, 21 touchdowns, seven interceptions. And I think the other thing too that you noticed is he'd sort of started to play a little bit more like he needs to for the long term, which is like to operate within the construct of Doug Peterson's yes. system and not yes. to, not to run around and force things. I mean, and there will be times where he's in a one-on-one situation and he's frankly bigger than the defensive back, you know what I mean? Um, and he can take him on. Or it's about being a little bit more judicious about some of the contact. And, you know, the same stuff we said about Andrew Luck, right? When you're that yeah. big, that strong, and that impervious, for a while you think, well, I'll just truck this guy, you know what I mean? And then, and then I'll shake him off and then I'll either throw it or I'll keep running. You know, you get a little bit of that out of your system, but it doesn't mean that that's still not, you know, that, that mobility, that and this is now more Wentz than Luck, but that, that mobility, that improvisation, that ability to gain the corner and then sprint, you know what I mean, and then sprint for another 15 yards, that's not, that's not by any means uh, expunged, but that flame flickers, you know, uh, less intently all the time. So that that's, you know, that, that comes with... Uh, that comes with the territory, but uh, to me, he's a very exciting player. The, the vibe I got that day from there, overwhelmingly, and I wrote about it, was almost like um, a reincarnation for him. That everybody's mm. like, he's totally back, and you know what I mean. Here we go. Like there was very much a quiet confidence that um, the people out there who who have slept on him or who did get caught up in the Philadelphia Magazine article, you know what I mean, about how he's you know allegedly a little bit of a fugazi leader or whatever, whatever people were trying to say there. I've never gotten that sense from that locker room. Um, I've cert- I certainly know that was never the sense in the front office or the owner's suite. And this, this contract confirms it. Yeah. And again, we talked to Zach Ertz here in a minute and he will tell you that he's like, he says Carson Wentz is one of the best leaders he's ever been around. And he thinks Carson Wentz is going to have a massive year. And it's not like this contract you know, removes the chip on Carson Wentz's shoulder. As you point out, that whole, he, like, leadership, like, the leadership stories that circulated around him, and he admitted that, you know, he, he struggled some dealing with the fact that Nick Foles, you know, had a great year and helped him win a Super Bowl and was the most popular man in Philadelphia after he'd set the table, you know, he, he set the t- yeah. table for Foles and Foles cleared it off. But I mean, like, that leadership thing, I, I think that chip, I, I guess my point is that like, even though I talked to Ertz before the contract was announced, I think that the chip on the shoulder thing still lingers. By the way, Carson Wentz fourth right now in terms of odds to win the MVP. Patrick Mahomes four and a half to one. Andrew Luck five and a half to one. Aaron Rodgers and Wentz ten to one. Baker Mayfield twelve to one. And uh, Drew Brees, Tom Brady fifteen to one. So there's an expectation, at least in, you know, the Vegas realm, that Wentz is going to have a big year, and it's hard not to see it with what the Eagles have added this offseason. Where's Russell Wilson on that list? Did you say Russell Wilson? I did not. Russell Wilson is twenty-five to one. Ben Roethlisberger. Ooh. Ben Roethlisberger was fifty to one, but I talked him up at fifty to one. He fell to twenty-five to one. I, mean, I interesting. Yeah. I would. I'd put a couple. I mean, not me personally because I'm not allowed to. But if I were allowed to, I'd put a couple hundred. And I had a couple hundred bucks of discretionary income that was not, you know, <laughs> that I could use to whatever. Go to the bar, go to the ball game, you know, go to George Clinton, or or put down at twenty five to one on Russell Wilson. Um, wow. Twice as high as Baker Mayfield. Yeah, the problem is twenty five to one just didn't. The, the, the other pro, the problem with, and I'm not. I mean, actually, I am going to dog on Prisco, but like. The problem with the MVP voting is you're not you're not betting on who has the most passing yards. You're betting on something that inherently is going to be subjectively voted on by people like Pete Prisco. So like you like there's 50 MVP votes and one of them is Pete Prisco and you have to count on Pete voting for Russell Wilson for MVP. Well, I guess I'm thinking of the guys you mentioned. I'm thinking who could have the best pure stats and be in the playoffs and have value attached to them. No, no, I agree. I think Russell. And to me, that's. Yeah. That's him. Like, do, I don't think Patrick Mahomes is throwing for 50 touchdowns again. I, I just don't. It's happened three times in the history of this game. If he does it two years in a row, under all these circumstances, with everything that's going on there, then, then you know what I mean? Then put him in Canton. Like, I, I, and and I, I think the world of him, I was big on him when others weren't. Before that, you can go back and look at what I wrote right after the combine, blah, 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 blah. I, I thought he was going to be special. 
but I think the bar is so high now. You know what I mean? Whereas Russell, people still sleep on him. People are like, why did he get all? Why did they give him all that money? And you know, what are people projecting Seattle to win? Nine or ten games or something like that? I yeah, mean, eight and at half. most, eight, eight and there half. you go. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm like sitting there thinking, well, that team might go twelve and four, and he might throw forty two touchdowns and seven <laughs> interceptions, and you know what I mean, forty five hundred yards, and also run for four or five, and do like you know, six to 12 Russell Wilson things on prime time or, or, um, you know, 430 national window games through the course of the season. And the offensive line looks better and they ran, they ran the hell out of the football last year. So they're more balanced. I, I don't know. I think even that would resonate with old souls like Disco Prisco. <laughs> and I say that lovingly. D- Disco Prisco from Cisco. Uh, so here's the list of guys outside of 15 to 1 that I think are, if I were, if I were, if I were betting on somebody, this is what I would be dabbling with. Big Ben at 25 to 1, Deshaun Watson at 25 to 1, Matt Ryan 25 to 1, Russell Wilson 25 to 1, Philip Rivers 30 to 1, uh, and then Jimmy Garoppolo is, is listed with them. I, 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 but 40 to 1 is not, is not, I, I wouldn't take it personally. Um, Jared Goff. If it was like 85 to 1 or something, yeah, exa- i think about it. Exactly. Mahomes was like 50 to 1 before the year last year. Um, uh, Jared Goff, 60 to 1. Cousins, 60 to 1. I'm not, Kyler Murray, 75 to 1. Lamar Jackson, 75 to 1. I'm not taking anybody other than a quarterback. Mitchell Trubisky, 80 to yeah. 1 is actually, and, and Jameis Winston, 85 to 1. Um, save your money. What's that? Save your money. Yeah, save your money. Yeah, yeah. Just don't vote, just don't bet on the MVP thing unless you have a deep sleeper like a. I mean, like don't take Lamar Jackson at seventy five to one. Uh, speaking of Lamar Jackson, you were at the uh, Ravens OTAs, so you did Ravens OTAs, Ravens OTAs, and P Funk in the same day. Ravens OTAs came home. Uh, had figured I had enough time to write my column, uh, which I did. Which I I think by that by the time I wrote it though, I think it was like five thirty six o'clock. So. Um, people smarter than me said, ah, we should probably hold that till the morning. Uh, grabbed a little something to eat with the kids, and then uh, we left here uh, a little after 7. Nice. To head to uh, Philly. Yes, sir. What um, What did you take away from uh, Ravens OTAs? How did Lamar look? And did, was, he, was, he, was, he, was he surprised that they're running a new offense? Not, I mean, okay. Like, the first person, I, okay, I, that would be a lie if I said the first person. I saw. <laughs> so we're, they let us out on the practice field, and we're talking to, uh, you know, Har- Coach Harbaugh was in a, a chatty, gregarious, and good mood, and so he's sitting there kind of entertaining the media as you know, the players are coming out for stretching. And then the f- next coach I see after Jim Harbaugh is a guy in a polo shirt, and uh, actually he was in a Will Brinson uniform, polo shirt, yeah, nice khaki shorts. DaCosta? Huh? Was it DaCosta? No, no, it's a coach. He's oh, not, okay, a, okay, but, okay. but he, he doesn't coach the Ravens. His name's Paul Johnson. You may have heard of him. He's the dude who had Calvin Johnson for three years and didn't really tell him the football. <laughs> and Demarius, He's the master and... of the triple option. Okay? Actually, like, actually, literally, like, so the whole town is ablaze and like, new offense, what's it going to be? Oh, my God, are they going to ask Lamar to do too much? This is going to be crazy. And then, like, here comes walking out Paul Johnson, ex-coach of Navy and Georgia Tech, like one of the all-time proponents of um, old-school ground-based football. And Harbaugh's like, yeah, um, he's here to study our offense, work with, our, you know, work with the coaches, watch film with us, and, and help us tweak some stuff. And I believe he's at least the sixth coach with a incredibly steeped option slash RPO based background to come there. So what do I think the like? What do I think the Baltimore Ravens are going to look like? I think you saw it. Like the first thing they did this off season was make Nick Boyle the highest paid pure blocking tight end that I can ever recall. Mm. And then even though they ran the ball 101 times more than anybody in the in the league from the moment Lamar Jackson took over in week 10 until the end of the year, and even though they did it for almost 600 more yards than anybody in the league, think about that in a small sample size, right? In a seven-week sample size, they ran the ball for almost 600 yards more than anybody else in the league. And then who, who, if you recall, who was what was the next big transaction they made? Uh, I don't remember. They signed a running back. Oh, Mark Ingram. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And in between there, they said bye to a guy, Marty Morningweg, who lives to throw the football, and they promoted a guy, Greg Roman, who's famous for what? Uh, he is famous for operating a run option offense with both Colin Kaepernick mm. and Tyrod Taylor. 
Hmm. And then, despite having three NFL running backs on the roster, do you know? Remember what they did in the fourth round? They took another running back. Yeah, and then they also took an offensive lineman. Um, I know they took Marquise Brown too, and they took the kid Boykin out of Notre Dame. But Boykin finally got on the field for the first time yesterday, and Brown is still coming out from the list, Frank. Like. They are who they are. Like there will be a little bit more asked of Lamar, and they definitely changed the verbiage in the offense in the passing offense. Um, but like, oh yeah, and the offensive lineman they got, and, and the wide receiver they got played at Oklahoma, and and, uh, <laughs> and so the right tackle played at Oklahoma, and. I don't know what what is what what is Oklahoma doing like really well like what's their forte? They uh, they run the ball with funky funky formations, including the okay. Outside. So am I going to freak out about a comment Lamar Jackson made, or am I going to do what my eyes and brain tell me? Like, and then I watched them, and they did none of that stuff because they're not going to like. So, who what they're going to look like on Sunday is not what they're going to look like at OTAs, and probably not at a lot of training camps because you're not messing messing around with mesh points and trying to goad and bait defensive ends in the option game when they're not allowed to touch your quarterback and really rush him anyway. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the the sort of magic of Lamar isn't going to manifest itself at, th- you know, 3 o'clock in the afternoon on a Thursday in pads and shells because they just want him to stay in the pocket and pass because that's what he needs to get better at. And do I think that'll be a little bit more comp- a, a bigger component of what they do? Yeah, but, like, just read my article. I mean, everybody, nobody, like, when you really approach people the right way, they're not even really trying to BS you. It's like, uh... New offense, really? Like you guys, you guys gonna be the eighty-two Chargers? Like Eric Coryell? That'll be neat. Uh, no, that's, that's that's not who they're going to be. I think they know where their bread's buttered. I think they feel like they have even better personnel to execute that now. And they spent the spring bringing in all these college coaches to to add new wrinkles to that because that's really who they are. And then if Lamar can be a little better with the underneath stuff, whether he has to sidearm it or throw it behind his back or whatever, and now he hits three big plays a game instead of one and a half because now you got Marquise Brown and Hayden Hurst who wasn't on the field yesterday but should be twitchy and all ready to go and, and has looked good this spring and he was a first round pick last year didn't get on the field much and then you add that to Andrews and Snead and Chris Moore and a few of these other components now you know you should have multiple guys who can get deep to burn them when they you know literally go with a nine man box because you've been running it down their throat so that's who they are um and that's what I think you'll see. And so it was a bit of good and a bit of bad for Lamar. But it's it's a bit like I, and people around here and I, I live in Baltimore. People around here have been going nuts all off season, like about everything. You know, was it a good practice or a bad practice? Well, how many passes did he complete? And blah blah blah. But and I talked to RG three about this a lot, and he went through this in Washington, and he's like, you know, that's a tough place to when you're in that mode, and that's how people are looking at you. He's like, comes with territory, you're a big boy, it's fine, but. He's like the defense knows what you're doing, you know what I mean? And you can't really take off and run, and you're not really running your base stuff, and you're not setting the pass up through the run because you're really just working on pass, you know what I mean? And everybody knows your script. And last year's first-round pick isn't out there, and this year's first-round pick isn't out there, and they're playing around with different guys at center because they're trying to, you know, tweak the line. You're not going to look great, you know what I mean? Like, and, and they're asking you to do the things you're worst at. That's why it's a practice. You know what I mean? But that doesn't mean that that's how it's going to look on Sundays. So I think all these reps will bode well for him. I think there will be some new wrinkles. I think they have many more guys who have the speed and twitchiness that Lamar has to compliment him. And last year they had, you know, maybe one in Hayden Hurst, but he wasn't on the field very often. He got, you know, hurt very early in camp, and he never really got back um, to to full speed or, or got himself fully vested in the offense. So, I think they're in a pretty good place. Um, I think defense will – I mean, it, it may drop a little bit statistically from where they were last year, but I don't think those losses are as, like, massive as – like, to me, the one that hurt the most is Darius Smith. But, mm. I mean, I think – I really like some of the young linebackers. C.J. Mosley, $17-plus million a year, can't cover running backs, can't cover tight ends, gets exposed in the past game downfield. And in the you know and just sort of out in space um, around the line of scrimmage, I, I don't know. In a game where it's it's first down, second down, third down, are all passing down. I, I don't know, man. Where you would know, you? I think, I think they'll be all right. I just do. Terrell Suggs at this stage of his career, I, 
I think they'll be all right. Um, they'll be on the prowl for, a, a, you know, an interior rusher, an edge rusher, if something becomes available, and they were obviously in on Gerald McCoy. But I think they'll be, I think they'll be a good competitive football team. I think they have a shot to win that division. And, and certainly when you look at the AFC and who's made the playoffs there in recent years, and I'm talking about, you know, the perennial 9-7 and seven Titans or the Terod Taylor Bills from two years ago, I think the Ravens are certainly a playoff team. Where would you handicap them in the scope of uh, AFC North teams? Are they the like? I, I, I like I like them in Cleveland more than the other two. Wow! So you think it's Cleveland, Baltimore, or Baltimore, Cleveland? Pittsburgh? Oh, one A, one B, one B, one A. I mean, interesting. Um, I think their individual matchups will, will decide that division. Okay. All right. Interesting. Uh, Redskins are also in your territory and you had a scoop on Trent Williams, who was initially thought to be missing from, uh, minicamp because he wanted more money. As it turns out, as you reported, um, he doesn't want to play for the Redskins, apparently. No. What's, what, uh, what's going on here? And is, I mean, I get, like, I, I think that people are freaking out a little bit less about this, maybe because, Redskins fans are just disenchanted with the whole franchise and they sort of expect this to be a disaster season and they understand that they took Dwayne Haskins and he's the future, but it would, they're not expecting a big leap forward in 2019, maybe. But I mean, this is a big freaking deal if Trent Williams, the starting left tackle, doesn't want to play with the franchise. Why does he want out? Um, he, he feels like there was a, a misdiagnosis or, or, or a erroneous conveying of information about the severity of something he was dealing with, a, a growth of some sort on his head that um, had reached a point where he ended up having a much more, I'm told, significant procedure done than, than what he was led to believe was ever um, really going to be possible. And it's been a very different set of circumstances than sort of what was laid out for him. And I'm just going by what he's told his teammates that, you know, if, if I don't feel like I can trust the front office and I don't feel like I can trust uh, the people who are legitimately in charge of my, my body health and well being, then I can't, you know, I, I can't play gladiator sport 16 times a year for them anymore. Right. Like the, I, I just, it, the trust is broken. Um, he he, and that's what you, there are things you can control and things you can't control, right? And one you can't control is health, but the expectation is that you want to be able to feel that those around me will be able to 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 help me as much as possible with those things, especially in a sport like this. And I'm I'm told right now that that trust is broken, and that he's told teammates that I've made it clear to them that I want to be traded or released. Um, can they build a bridge between now and September? Sure, um, it's possible, but uh, I don't think it's going to be as easy as, oh, they're going to throw a couple more million bucks at him and then everybody will just kumbaya it up. I'm, I don't believe that's where we're at. Is, does, does it end up getting fixed in some degree in a scenario that looks something like that? Maybe, but this is something his teammates have been talking about for a while, and, and that's been known within that locker room. Um, and, you know we'll see we'll see where it leads i mean what okay there's there are a lot of branches here we're going to cover them fairly quickly because i don't want to keep you on too long but the what could if let's say they want to go down the trade avenue do you think that they can get a first round pick for trent williams or well, they, first of all i don't think they want to go they don't want to go down any avenue like i i mean right. all right, well, all right. Uh-huh. will they go down the trade avenue or do you think they'll just say eh, tough pal we're going to stink anyway. Either you come and play and get paid or you sit out. My hunch is having covered them before that, that they try a different path to, you know, what can we, can we, I mean, I don't know if it would lead to changes on the medical staff or people being let go or what have you, but you know, what can we do to make you feel better about mm. us? And, you know, we think you got more than two years left in you. And so what if we do this and do that? And, and I don't know how that will go. Um, I, I, I couldn't tell you how he would respond. But again, the sense that he's given his teammates is he's pretty stuck in. But, you know, when you actually get close to game checks and all that, you know, being on the line, it's a very different scenario than the dead of June when you're not healthy enough to take part in these OTAs anyway. Um, so I don't know. Could they? It's certainly a tradable contract. 
there would be interest in him. But, the, you know, he's had – he's not a spring chicken anymore by, you know, NFL terms. And he's had his share of injuries and staying, you know, staying healthy week to week and getting through games has proven to be an issue. And then there's obviously going to be concerns about, you know, what, what is this issue with your head and, what you know, what got removed there or what, you know, where exactly are we? And teams would want to have access to all that uh, medical information, um, you know, before they move forward as well. And right now he can't practice or play anyway. So that's a, a bit of a moot point right now. I think that's probably more a discussion for, um, okay, we're five days out from training camp, and where are we now? And is he still not listening? You know, does he want nothing to do with us? And, and is is he rebuffing our overtures? And if so, then what is a cut bait point? And do we really want this hanging over us as we enter what's not going to be necessarily Dwayne Haskins uh, training camp, but it is. But you know what I mean? They can't control the narrative, and it really is going to be Haskins versus Keenum. And I think that's set up for Keenum to start for a while, and I think that's the smart play but it doesn't mean people won't be obsessing over what each guy does versus the other in every single practice and in every single uh, preseason game. So, yeah, we'll see, you know. Um, we'll see. But the guys in that locker room were getting a chuckle out of, like, this idea that, you know, oh, Trent wants more money. And, and that's where it started <laughs> filtering out to me. Like, I wasn't even really inquiring. I had people literally reaching out to me from inside there saying, Dude, that's that ain't what's going on here at all. Like it's not, you know. Trent's made a lot of money, and you know, is he underpaid now? Sure, but like, <laughs> this is this is not this is not about you know he should be making fourteen five or whatever fifteen five instead of eleven. It runs way deeper than that. Well, that's I mean that's but that's a worse problem for the Redskins because yes, then they, they can't just be like, okay, look, we'll give you. Uh, an extra twelve million guaranteed, and we'll tack on an extension. Well, and we'll, I think you need to be careful about how you approach that too. You know what I mean? It's like, so wait, you think you can buy? You know right, what I mean? You, right, you right. can you can buy my sense of like well being and belief that you know if I get hurt again, you got you know what I mean, or if something weird happens that you guys, you know what I mean? Well, will get me to the right people and get everything done the way it should be. Like that, that it it is a. Uh, it's a sticky wicket, as the Brits might say. And I'm not sure that Bruce Allen is the man I'd be in charge of, you know, overseeing my organizational bedside manner and being like the conduit for that. I, I don't know. It may have to be more direct from Dan. Mm. Yeah. Not that that's foolproof either. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the thing is like if Dan Snyder comes to you, he's like, all right, we're going to fire all the medical staff. And I'm not, I don't know the, the doctors in Washington, but I do know that Washington always like year to year has the most injuries around the NFL. Um, I mean, I think that would probably be a positive if they overhauled the medical staff in, in DC, but I don't know that even a Dan Snyder, if, if he's as stuck in as he says he is, I don't know that Dan Snyder doing that. It helps. And like, what's, the I would again just say this though, with any of these stories, being stuck in in May and stuck in in June is a lot different than being stuck in like November 27th. You know what I mean? And you've missed a couple game checks and, you know what I mean? You're, you're the missus or the girlfriend or, you know what I mean? Or whomever. And others around you are like, where's my uh, money? Dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, I want to go to the beach. Where's my money? It's like, well, I, yeah. I don't have any money. Remember this thing on my head yeah. that they screwed right. up and I said I was going to sit out and yeah. take a stand. So, and, well, you know, yeah, you were with me. I, I, I would say it's obviously a significant, um, Development and something that I'll have to be monitored closely. And if I'm a Redskins fan, I, I can under, I, you know, understandably, I'm probably freaking out a little bit about it. But I would just say, there's nothing really going on in June. All these things get, I think, ratcheted up a little bit just because, you know, these are some of the relatively dull weeks in an NFL schedule. And there's a lot of time between now and they play a game that matters. So we'll see how they go about um, handling it. All right. Yes or no. Trent Williams is on the Redskins week one roster. I'll throw a dart and yes, but I I don't know that anybody knows right now. Mm. Um, And is he like, is, is, is the thing that they screwed up? Is that what's making him not healthy enough to play right now? Or is it? Yeah, I I think that's probably a combination of things. Okay. All right, uh, I don't think, I think that's it for NFL news. This is actually kind of a busy week. The NFL's, the A, the, the, the NFL's done a good job, uh, sprinkling news out on a, on like an even basis to keep us, uh, to keep us in. 
You know, there's only a couple, like, what do we have? Uh, two weeks until the real dead period. And then, you know, we'll, we'll fight through there and then we'll, uh, then we'll start training camp. We're not that far away from training camp, Jason. Pretty crazy. I know, buddy. Trust me. I'm trying to get my, I'm trying to get my time in while I can. Trust me. That's right. Uh, I will be taking a vacation in two weeks for those that listen to the podcast and wanted that information. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, I will talk to Zach Ertz about U.S. Women's World Cup soccer and uh, his uh, pal Carson Wentz. Stay right there. Thanks, Jason. Hey, you got it, buddy. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If ready PG. All right, Zach, uh, you, uh, look, what's, what goes into taking this, uh, this trip? I mean, how much preparation for, for going over to, uh, to watch the spouse perform at the, the highest possible level, uh, for the country? Yeah, I mean, it's an exciting time. I mean, obviously, um, there's been a lot of planning, um, but as well, my wife has taken the initiative, even though I feel like her mind should technically be on just playing the games. She is so in control of me and my days that she has planned pretty much everything out. Um, the only thing I've been responsible for with the help of our agent is figuring out where I'm training over there. And everyone over there has been so welcoming to us. Um, I'm just so excited to get over there, see Julie. I haven't seen her in a couple of weeks now. So um, I'm just excited to get over there and see her again soon. Um, but it's going to be a fun time. Are you going to squeeze in any like visits to check out the sites or is this strictly a, a business trip for, for you training wise and, and the U S women's world cup team? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously the number one job of me going over there is to support Julie, uh, support her for everything that she's doing, whether she needs me to hang out. I'm pretty much on call is how I'm going over there. I'm going <laughs> to tell ask her if there's like a, I'm a 30-minute block. She needs to see me for sure so I can plan my days a little bit around my training. Um, but overall, I mean, I'm going to be just supporting her and whatever she needs me to do, whether it be helping out with her family members, whether it be helping out with my family members, um, seeing the sights a little bit, hopefully. Um, but I haven't even thought that far ahead. Uh, the women's team is the favorite to win the World Cup. Um, do you – I mean – uh, you know, cl- clearly you're closer to the situation, probably know more about the, the nuances of it than, than I do and, and probably a lot of soccer experts. Do you think this is a, a really viable chance for them to, to bring home the title? Well, it's going to be a tough. I mean, don't get me wrong. The, I was there uh, four years ago in Canada um, when we won the whole thing, and the competition from then to now is just night and day. The rest of the world is so much further along in the development of the women's game than they've probably ever been. Um, so nothing is going to be easy in this tournament for the girls. Um, it's going to be a battle. Obviously, France has got to be a favorite. They're one of the top three teams in the world. Um, it's on their home soil. So I feel like it's really an open tournament. Obviously, I have a heavy vested interest in the United States for so many reasons. Not only that it's a great country, but my wife is on the team. Um, so I'm just excited to go over there and support her. Uh, you're working with FanDuel, obviously, and, um, I think it says a lot about where d- fantasy sports is gone and, and daily fantasy, of course, that you can do daily fantasy for the Women's World Cup, which is awesome. Don't get me wrong. As someone who, uh, would, some people would call it, you know, like, I, I like to, I like to do daily fantasy for, like, I'm doing, you know, some stuff in the, over the Royal Canadian Open right now. I'm down for a daily, uh, Women's World Cup thing. Talk about the partnership with them and, and how you've, I mean, like, do you have enough knowledge to put together a women's world cup daily lineup right now? Well, yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I am excited to be partnering with, uh, uh, with a company like FanDuel. Just seeing everything that they're doing for the women's game truly is incredible. Um, obviously being in the NFL, I have a lot of experience with fantasy football players. Um, a lot of people thank me for winning their championship or hate me because I cost them the fantasy championship. 
And FanDuel is just such a key component of growing sports, the way fantasy football has helped grow the NFL, the way it probably and is going to help the women's game of soccer this summer. Um, because it gives people a vested interest in knowing players from all over the world. Um, and so it's going to be exciting. I think I'm going to do all right. Obviously, my number one pick each and every week and each and every game is going to be my wife. She's going to be my number one pick. Um, I feel like if I wasn't to pick her, I would definitely feel and hear the ramifications about it. But I'm definitely – I think it's going to be big. It's going to be fun, and I'm going to have a great roster. Yeah, you definitely want to pick your wife. I mean, that's like – that'd be like your your dad signing up for – you know, like like a parent or, or brother or somebody signing up for fantasy football and not drafting you in the first two rounds or like or even in the first round, really. It's just, a, you know, it's, it is a business, but it's a slap in the face. Um, no, I think it's cool. And people can uh, – we'll put the link – um, I'll, I'll tweet out the link and we'll put it out there in, in the story for this where they can check it out at, at fanduel.com to, uh, to play in, uh, in, in, in the Women's World Cup. And actually they can compete against you on the opening day, which means if you really want to dive into fantasy with Zach Ertz, you can do that. I got, I got kind of a heady question for you. I'm curious about, um, there's this lawsuit going on with the, the U.S. women's team and they're suing for equal rights and equal pay. And I think it's really fascinating because and your, your wife is one of the, the, the named plaintiffs on there. They have such a, like, if, if there was ever a case to be, for women to be paid equal to men, um, this would be it because of their success as, as, as members of the soccer team. How, you know, did you guys talk about that? Was it a hard decision for her to put her name on that? Did you encourage her? How did, how did that sort of play out for you guys? Yeah, I mean, obviously it is a fun time to be an American right now. I mean, I think, everyone's realizing the potential that these women have. And I see on a day-to-day basis the work that my wife puts in to her sport and in her craft to be the best that she can possibly be. I can promise you her work ethic, her work ethic is no smaller than any other person in the entire world, let alone male or female. It doesn't matter what gender you are. Um, these girls work their butt off each and every day. And, Whatever, there's always going to be people that say, you know, the business side of this says X, so it should be Y. Um, but at the end of the day, I see the work that they put in, and I feel like they deserve whatever they feel like they, they deserve. And um, obviously, the, the thing that my wife loves the most, what Julie loves the most, is playing soccer. And so obviously there's a lot of talk going on about the lawsuit, but the thing that my wife loves to do is play the game of soccer. And all of her focus and all of her teammates' focus right now is going to be winning this World Cup and letting everything else kind of play out from there. Um, but in terms of equal pay, I mean, it's definitely an exciting time for their team, um, really setting the standard and the framework for the girls in the next 50 uh, years. So it's an exciting time to see them be empowered and take on a voice and use their platform for good. Um, and I'm extremely supportive of all of them. That's awesome. Um, I got, uh, I want to know who gets recognized more outside of Philadelphia, you or Julie? Well, outside of Philly, um, probably Julie. Um, <laughs> obviously we get recognized together a lot. Um, uh, but the soccer community, especially when we're back in California, because we spent a lot of time in California. That's where we met. That's where we went to college. Um, the soccer in California is huge and we all have little girls come up to me shaking, asking if I could take a picture of them and, and Julie. <laughs> um, so it's, it's something that I love to do. Uh, Philly's a little different. Philly's a football town. Uh, but outside of it, I would say Julie. Yeah, and also you had sort of a big catch in a game that meant a little bit to Philadelphia. So they, 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 they probably recognize you a little bit more than she, than, than her. Um, I, I, if Julie was a football player, what position would she play? Oh, she'd be a safety for sure. You know, she is a freaking incredible athlete. Her quickness is incredible. And her instincts, her IQ, her football IQ, quote unquote football IQ is very high. I feel like she would be a really good safety. And it would be fun to, I mean, have her mark me a few times if we were playing against each other. <laughs> Maybe like a Derwin James type where she can drop in the box, but also drop into coverage. Um, when, uh, exactly. yeah, uh, if, so if, um, yeah, and if you, I was also maybe thinking like a Cam Chancellor type, but but I mean, I, I don't, I don't know if I don't know if that works as well. Malcolm uh, Jenkins, you know, I think Malcolm's the best ooh. in the league right now, so I go with Malcolm. He's That's my guy. Very smart of you to get the plug in for the teammate. If you were a soccer player, what would you, where, what would you play? Oh, 
that's a great question. I feel like if I just had to go right now and not like, not if I was growing up playing with it, if I had to go to soccer right now, I feel like goalie would be the only chance I had. You know, I got good hands. I'm long. I can cover most of the net. So I feel like goalie right now. If I had a, if I was growing up, though, I'd be like an Ibrahimovic. You know, I'm six five. I'd be dunking on people on set pieces, um, just doing outlandish stuff on the pitch. Uh, so I would love to be a forward if I like grew up playing it. Uh, give me one word to describe what you think Carson Wentz's 2019 season will be like. Uh, special. I mean, we got he's got a huge chip on his shoulder like we all do. The way last season ended, um, the dude is one of the top three players, regardless of position in the league. In my opinion, he can do anything he wants on a football field. One of the best leaders I've ever been around. Uh, so I think just this year for him and the, I think the entire organization, I think it could be a special year. It, it does feel a little bit like people have not – there's this weird thing with Nick Foles because Nick Foles played so well and he gave so much to that city. And but, You know, Carson set up all the success in the first place. and, and But it, it does feel like a little bit like he might – you mentioned the chip on his shoulder. Like he, not like he feels like he's forgotten, but he feels like people have sort of, they wonder if the Eagles should pay him and they wondered if, if they should keep, I mean, this is a special quarterback we're talking about, right? Special is, uh, couldn't describe him uh, any, anywhere else. Uh, he's one of a kind, the arm talent, the leadership qualities, his mobility in the pocket. If you're drawing up a quarterback, Carson Wentz is a guy, in my opinion, that, that, that you'd want. And, um, I think the sky's the limit for him. I think the sky's the limit for our football team. Um, it's going to be a fun year. Awesome, man. Well, hey, Zach, I really appreciate you taking the time. I hope you have a great trip. I hope it ends in uh, the women bringing home the, the, the championship for the World Cup. And, uh, and and hopefully maybe your wife will get a goal and you'll win some uh, some FanDuel cash as they celebrate a title. How about that? Oh, it sounds like a great plan. I mean, I hope everyone uh, wants to compete against me in FanDuel. I mean, I'm so competitive and if you want to take me on I think you can beat me in this thing bring it on alright Zach Ertz tight end for the Philadelphia Eagles and super fan for the U.S. Women's uh, World Cup team thanks man I really appreciate your time yeah, thanks man.